Welcome to ID the Future from Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. In this first segment, Nate Herbst of The God Solution and Casey Luskin discuss their experiences as students interacting with professors over the origins of life controversy. Luskin describes how involvement in a student club first awakened his interest in the intelligent design debate. I'm just going to share a short story of mine that might be something you've dealt with. I was in a class in college, a science class, and I challenged the professor on her description of how life came from non-life, and I referenced some of the statistics for how impossible that would be and asked her how she'd deal with the statistics. She wrote it off. I asked the question again in class. She wrote it off again, and she ended up docking me a letter grade. She said that I got the definition of DNA transcriptase wrong on the final exam, and that dropped me a letter grade, and the whole class it ended up being. And I went to her, and I showed her that my definition was identical to hers that she handed out on the handouts in the class. She said, I don't care that it's the same that I gave you. I refuse to change your grade. And that was my first experience with being academically punished for my willingness to follow the evidence or to consider the statistics that the academic norm refused to consider. You deal with this kind of thing kind of often, correct? Yeah, unfortunately, Nate, we we do deal with this fairly often, and it's definitely not the first time that I heard a story of a student who had his grade knocked down because he maybe questioned a standard evolutionary argument and did it not in a disrespectful manner, was just trying to ask questions as a young thinker who was trying to understand the issues and just really asking questions in good faith, wanting to, as you said it, follow the evidence where it leads. So I'm sorry to hear that that happened to you when you were a student, but it's not the first time that we've seen this. In fact, we've actually seen professors who have admitted in the past that they would mark down students who maybe tried to support an intelligent design viewpoint. There was a professor at the University of Waikato a couple years ago who actually wrote on her blog. She said, if a student were to use examples such as the bacterial flagellum to advance an ID view, then they should expect to be marked down. This is a very rare example where a professor was openly admitting that they would mark down a student. We've heard many other cases and situations where students were marked down or threatened with being marked down for asking a question that challenged the standard evolutionary view and so forth. So what ended up happening in the end? Did you end up having your grade diminished at the end of the semester because of your views or were you able to make back off some of that work? What what ended up happening to you? No, well, that was on the actual final. And so that letter grade drop on the final ended up being a letter grade drop in the entire class, and there was no way to make it up. And at that time, I was, I guess, a sophomore or junior in the chemistry program, and I was a little too insecure to really take this professor on and challenge her and go to the dean. So I didn't do anything. I just let it go. And in retrospect, it would have been good to have publicly made a little bit of noise and to draw some awareness to this issue, but I really just let it go, and that was the end of it, unfortunately. As sad as it is that your letter grades were marked down, probably had a pretty strong case. My personal philosophy is we don't go around trying to encourage students to cause problems or get themselves into trouble over this issue. The stereotype out there is that, you know, students are always raising their hands in class and trying to stir up trouble on the topic of evolution. Frankly, in my experience, it's really the exact opposite, that the vast majority of the time, students are asking honest questions, and it's professors who are the ones who are being intolerant 
and are basically unwilling to tolerate questions on this issue. And then they become the aggressors, really, who are penalizing students or trying to embarrass or shame or bully students who have questions about evolution. The vast majority of the time, it's not the students who are the ones causing the problems. What I often encourage students is, look, if you have questions about evolution, don't get yourself into trouble. Don't become a martyr. It's not what you need. What you need to do is to get your degree. You need to go on and do well in school and succeed academically. And I encourage students typically to just keep their heads down, to do good work, to excel academically, to, to learn the issues. If they want to raise the issue, frankly, you know, the best way to do it is just ask a respectful, thoughtful question in a way that no professor could ever say that they were doing something wrong. I mean, what's wrong with a student asking a respectful question? And at that point, if the professor wants to knock you down, they're the ones having the issue. The vast majority of the time, the students that I encounter who are having problems on this issue it was not them who were the instigators or the aggressors. It was the professor. And sometimes you have professors actually who will, at the beginning of a course, ask everyone in the class, okay, well, do any of you not believe in evolution? First of all, most students who don't believe in evolution immediately feel intimidated into silence, so they won't raise their hands, okay? But the few courageous ones who do raise their hands are then shamed, essentially. This is a shaming tactic that professors will use. They'll pick out those students and ridicule them as if they're ignorant or foolish or uneducated. And it's really sort of just a big peer pressure tactic to try to get students to conform to the evolutionary viewpoint and bully them into surrendering to a Darwinian view. And, And sometimes it works. Usually it doesn't, although what it does succeed in doing is getting anybody who's at the center of Darwinian evolution to keep their mouth shut. And I think that's really what the professor wants to accomplish, is to shut down dialogue and discussion on this issue so there's sort of just conformity and uniformity in the classroom, which is not good for teaching students how science is supposed to operate, how science progresses. It really discourages scientific habits of thinking when professors act like this. But sadly, we see this sort of behavior from evolutionists literally on a daily basis. They don't want to have a dialogue. They don't want to have a discussion. Instead, they want to shut down discussion and debate in the scientific community. It is unfortunate. Thankfully, that wasn't my only experience here. I had another chemistry professor who I had this same conversation with. He started out the semester talking about evolution. It was his first presentation every semester in a chemistry class, interestingly. And after the presentation, I went to his office and I explained some of my scientific objections from a chemistry standpoint and just the statistics of Life coming from non-life, that was the main thing that I went to as a chemistry student, you know, the problem of homochirality and life and all this. And this professor, he had never heard this stuff. He was shocked. He was amazed. And the next semester, I took a class with him, and he changed his entire first presentation. The second semester, he said, evolution is the creation myth of science. And he goes, every worldview has its own creation myth. And a lot of scientists have bought into the creation myth of science, which is evolution. And I couldn't believe that he changed from this is fact to this is the going creation myth that a lot of scientists buy into. So he was really willing to consider the evidence and to begin to change his mind a little bit on it. So the one bad example wasn't the only example I encountered. No, that, that's great. And you know what? That actually is similar to my experience when I was in college. I took a lot of courses in evolution, and I had mixed experiences. In some classes, yes, the professors were very dogmatic, and you really didn't feel free to raise the issue or talk about it. In other classes, the professors were very open-minded and tolerant. And if you had a question or you were skeptical of 
Darwinian evolution or the origin of life, that was okay. And so I, I think actually I, I had a very similar experience to yours in terms of having sometimes it was okay to talk about the issue, sometimes it wasn't. And how did you get interested in the debate over intelligent design? Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, actually, when I was in college, that I had different experiences in my classes. Some of my classes were very you know, open-minded, where the professors would allow you to talk about the issue. But I would have to say, if that was a minority in my classes, I probably took about a dozen courses in college that dealt with evolution and the origins of life. And in most of my classes, unfortunately, there was one and only one viewpoint that was discussed, and that was sort of the pro-evolutionary viewpoint. And there really were no opportunities for students to discuss and debate other scientific views and express other viewpoints that descended from an evolutionary approach. And so when I was a junior in college, I was at UC San Diego, which is a very pro-evolution, but very science-focused public university uh, in California. And so I was taking all these classes, and some friends and I decided to start a student club to allow our friends, really our, our people that we had in our classes, to be able to talk about the debate over evolution. Most of our classes were not allowing us to have the discussion, so we started a student club called the Intelligent Design and Evolution Awareness Club to discuss and debate the topic in a way that most of our classes were not allowing us to do. And that club was a real success. We had a lot of fun. We tried to make it a place where everybody felt welcome, whether they were undergraduates, graduate students, whether they were atheists or Christians, whether they were creationists or evolutionists or intelligent design proponents or anything in between. We wanted everybody to feel welcome and able to just come there and have a good, solid dialogue over the topic of origin. And so that was sort of how I first got interested in this was through being involved with the student club when I was an undergraduate at UC San Diego. Then, after I graduated, the club was very successful. We had lots of people coming of, of different views. We decided to start a nonprofit, a 501c3, to help students to start similar clubs on other college and also high school campuses. And so that is how another group called the Idea Center got formed. And that was formed in 2001. And since that time, the Idea Center has helped probably over 60 or 70 idea clubs form on different college and high school campuses, not just in the U.S., but also internationally. That was Casey Luskin with Nate Herbst. Stay tuned for more episodes at ID the Future, and thank you for listening. This program was recorded by Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture. ID the Future is copyright Discovery Institute 2015. For more information, visit www.intelligentdesign.org or www.idthefuture.com.